songs of praise. I ask that you would do what no person can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. There we are. Okay, now we're working. All right, praise God. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Are you excited? <clears throat> you are the body of Christ. You are the ambassadors of God. You are a holy priesthood in a mighty nation in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. Well, let's see here. My papers don't go flying because I forgot to put them in the thing, right? I'll leave it up to the girls. They do a better job anyhow. Okay, there we go. Praise the Lord. Nothing there. Blessed be your name. 
him in the spirit he is worthy almighty God we glorify your holy name blessed be the mighty name of Jesus glory to his holy name God is faithful he inhabits the very praises of his people as you worship the Lord and you praise him you send a shout into the canopy of darkness over the city and community and you shatter that as you also send it down smash the enemy we give you glory honor father we praise you in the spirit for you alone are worthy almighty God giving you all praise and glory because we are overcomers for greater is he that is us than he that is in the world we overcome them by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and we give glory unto the lamb praise the name of Jesus Awesome and great is your name. 
many of you know that the Holy Spirit wants to do a mighty work within your heart. He wants to pour into you so that you can be drawn closer to Him. You know, the Holy Spirit, He comes, and when He comes, He comes to restore. He comes to bring healing. He comes to open the doors for that situation in your life to be changed. So when we call upon the Holy Spirit, we should expect something to happen. You should expect something to happen in your heart. You should expect something to happen in your life. When you call upon the Lord and He comes, be expectant. Be expectant for something to happen in your life. You know, when he prayed over the, the five loaves of bread and the five fish, he expected something to happen by the power of his Father. And it was multiplied. And then when they picked up the baskets, they picked up 12 baskets of bread and five baskets of fish after they fed 5,000 plus women and children because they, Jesus knew that when the Holy Spirit come up to multiply that he expected to see God's hand move so when the Holy Spirit shows up in your life expect something to happen Expect that life-changing situation. Know that God is good. Know that God desires to bless you. God desires to have fellowship with you, to draw you closer to himself. He says, come. Come and taste and see that I am good. For he is the God who loves you and called you and set your feet upon a rock. He pulled you out of that pit of hell. Put your feet on solid ground. You're his child. He is your father. He loves you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. God is good to us. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. All right. We got some shiny expecting faces sitting out there today. Amen. God is good to us every day. I have a few announcements for you this morning. First of all, we want to thank we want to thug our. We want to welcome our visitors today. We want to thug our visitors today. We want to welcome our visitors today. Um, we're just always thankful to. Thank you, gentlemen. Can you get it? Can you get a little straighter? <laughs> Amen. We want to welcome our visitors here today. You. It's always a pleasure to have someone 
come and to worship and to be part of the congregation of what God is doing. Amen. We have a lot of prayer requests for you this morning. We have some some prayer requests for those that are here in the body today. We have Evelyn, Maggie, um, they, we have uh, Connie, Shum, uh, Connie McClary needs prayer. Um, so those are the ones sitting in here. We have other, other, other prayer requests for Tanya, Shoemate's aunts, been struggling with some heart issues. Um, and then a knee surgery for Pastor Steve's friend. Um, and then the Shoemate family, Keith, the youngest, one of the youngest brothers, um, his mother-in-law passed away, Judy. She was just here at Millie's memorial, and she, she, Lord took her home. And then Leah Kemplin also went home to be with the Lord. So uh, we want to rem- to remember those families in prayer. We want to lift these these needs to the Lord. Um, you know, sometimes you know I think about the needs of the body of Christ, and I think about all those prayers that go before the Lord, you know, and God hears every one of those prayers. And if we're faithful to lift these things to the Lord as individuals, how much more powerful is it when God hears multiple people praying for the same thing? You know, it's, there's, always, there's always great strength in numbers, amen? You know, um, and so um, we want to just take a minute, and we're going to go ahead and lift these needs, too. So if you just want to pray along with me. Father God, we just thank you for this day. First of all, we thank you for this day. This is the day that you have given us to rejoice and to be glad in you and what you're going to do. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for um, Evelyn and Maggie, Lord, and we thank you for Connie McClary, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would touch these women, Lord. You would touch their bodies, strengthen them, encourage them. Father God, let them know that you are with them in every aspect of their life, Father God. Lord, I know that all three of these women trust you. And Lord, there's no doubt in their hearts that you're, that you're doing a mighty work within them. So we thank you for that. Lord, and we pray, Lord God, for Pastor T's friend and for Tanya's aunts, Father God, that you would just touch these bodies also, Lord. Lord, healing is from you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father God, we believe in our hearts without a shadow of a doubt that you can touch each person on this list, that you can heal their bodies, that you can touch them. And Father God, we lift um, Keith and his family, Lord, and we lift Leah Kemplin's family to you. Lord, it's always hard when a family when a family member goes home to be with you. It's a rejoicing time, but it's also a hard time for the family to accept the loss of the one that they love. So Father God, we know, Father God, we're where these women are at, we know they're with you. But Father God, the family needs to be encouraged and strengthened. Let them see your glory through all of this, Lord, because Father, we are all looking forward to standing with you someday. So we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray for the word today, Father, that as Pastor Steve comes and shares this morning, Father God, that the word would touch our hearts, it would permeate us, Lord. It would, Lord, they would be words that are spoken today that will give us the insight of one more thing about you that we can put in our lives and be more effective in, in reaching other people. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And while Pastor Steve's coming, we'd like Jerry Lynn to stand up and wave at the group. She's, she's, she was able to get out of kids' church today, and so our, our dear beloved pastor's wife is with us. <laughs>
Good morning. When she came to sit next to me or stand next to me, I was like, who's that? <laughs> I go, hey, it's been a long time. She even brought her Bible. Well, good morning, church family. Good to have Alan back from Arizona. Brought some sunshine and be here with us for a little bit longer. I'll do my best to talk a little bit louder. I heard from the past couple of weeks that it was a bit too quiet, so um, just because they weren't using the microphone very well. But uh, it's good to be together in God's house here. This morning, <coughs> God has uh, just really laid a message upon my heart, um, and I'm going to open up before I get into the scriptures. We're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Maybe a little bit less on the um, gain possibility you'd make that choice. Can you also ask is, Floyd, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Papa Floyd's happy. You all better be happy. <laughs> <coughs> uh, the topic for this message is going to be on the topic of prayer. And I'm going to do this as carefully as I can, encouraging as I can. Uh, but I want to give a little introduction before I get into it for a couple of reasons. I just want to share a little bit about my heart uh, with you that I want to let you know um, to be prayerful about this that I just want to express to you as far as, as far as I can do, I have done all I can do in my strength to encourage, to help, to strengthen the body of Christ at Central Park Neighborhood Church. I am at a place and a crossroads of realizing, Lord, more than ever, we need you. And so with that, I went through the book of Acts this morning, and I went through several places. I know we have guests here and stuff, but it really became much more. It was a reminder this morning as I was reading, skimming through the book of Acts. Without prayer, and I mean like concerted prayer. What does a concerted prayer mean? Think about a symphony. Who's been to a symphony or a band? It's beautiful when you have the, the violins, the strings, and you have the wind instruments, and if you like that kind of music, if you like the rock music, well, if you have drum, you know, you have instruments together. There's a beauty that comes together when people are together in concerted prayer. And as I was reading the book of Acts, it really became apparent and a great reminder to say, Lord, if you're going to bring Central Park Neighborhood Church into a new chapter, a next chapter of growth and development. And I will tell you this, some of who are really into church world for a long time, there are some who this might be your first Sunday in the church world, which is great. I welcome you here. I'm so glad that you're here. I am not into growth as far as just numbers and programs and stuff like that. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer among all nations. Without prayer, church is not a church. Concerted prayer. We do pray. We have Tuesday prayer, Thursday prayer. We have prayer, Pastor Tom prays, or whoever opens up the service and stuff, we pray. But I'm talking about the life of a church. What is the glue that really holds and binds a church together? What is it that keeps a church moving? What is it that enables love to flow through a church from heart to heart, person to person, family to family? What is it that enables us to carry and share burdens together? We're commanded in the book of Galatians, I believe, to bear one another's burdens. 
we're commanded by Jesus to love one another. Well, what is that expression of love? Love is expressed in many different ways. I have a good friend who blessed our family with some jalapeno peppers the other day. And my wife, she hit the ball out of the park with these jalapeno poppers that were bacon-wrapped. They were good. Even the next day when I pulled them out of the fridge and they were cold, they were still really good. So I have a friend who expresses love when he is blessed that he blesses others with, you know, wonderful things like that. But there is an underlying foundation as far as what is it that really makes a church a church, though, and enables the love to flow and to have care go one from another? What is the life flow of a church? It truly is prayer. I recognize in the sanctuary there are those who are very seasoned and they've been in church for a lot of years and they're, they're all in like, yeah, let's have a prayer meeting right now, Pastor. Others who are like, that's about all I can say. <laughs> but when we pray as a church, and I want to say this too, I'm not talking about getting weird in prayer, although there are times that what people do in prayer could come across as weird. But when we truly pray and connect with the Lord in a real and genuine way, God does intervene into our affairs. Is it my microphone? Okay. When we pray, God intervenes. He moves. We have many needs in here that I could go, but I won't say it publicly, that we need the intervention of God. A lack of prayer can indicate either ignorance and unknowingness, and that happens oftentimes, especially when people just don't know any better. Other times, prayer or lack of prayer can indicate, uh, I'll say this as nice as I can, it can indicate a hidden form of pride that says, well, Lord, I've got this, and I, I can do this. It, lack of, it indicates a lack of humility because prayer truly can be a huge form of humility before the Lord to say to God, Lord, I just don't know what to do, so Lord, I am going to come now and to pray. When I look at our nation, we had missionaries who come, came back here the past couple of weeks, and they hadn't been in America for four years, I think both of them. They were both quite startled when they came back to America to see the condition of our country after being in Indonesia, and where was the other one from? I forget, but Huh? Africa, they'd been, you know, halfway around the world and then to fly back into America in just four short years to see the massive decline in morality and just the condition. Uh, one of the speakers brought up that four years ago, let's say even after 9-11, we see fellow Americans, you know, we would look at people like, hey, we're, we're, we're fellow Americans, we're, we're, we're together. And where now, after 2020 especially, it's like sadly, it's, there's crept into the hearts of people is this person a potential enemy? Is this person part of that left or right? Are they, you know, what page are you on? And there's a suspicion. I was talking to my wife that this part makes me want to cry, but I'll do my best to plow through it because I want to communicate clearly. But it is this subject here I'm going to bring up makes me really want to weep right now. There's been a massive betrayal the past two years from every sphere of society, from government to the medical community. I know even 20 years ago, there was a lack of trust in some in the medical community, but I would say the past couple of years, there's been this massive undermining of trust. Like, wait a second, I thought doctors cared for us. And I will say there are good doctors and nurses out there. 
I'm not picking on the, the entire medical community. But whether from government to medical to education, we see what's being taught in our schools and our children are being encouraged and it's just startling to see what our children are being taught in schools. Every sphere, there's been this massive betrayal and even in the church world, there's been a massive betrayal of trust where I sense in the hearts of people, maybe not everyone individually, praise God, but it's like, who can I trust and who can I listen to? Because we're navigating through these very unusual times right now where there's a massive change in our society. So it's almost like where before, 20 years ago, yeah, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord and try to learn and grow. But now it's like, can I listen to that guy or trust and you know my life's on the line and we're because of all the betrayals it's almost every man and every family for themselves I understand and so when I'm going through the book of Acts and I see that the bedrock of true church is prayer I am thankful for Steve and our worship team but truly church we could do without music and still have church in a sense. We need to sing and praise God, don't get me wrong, but we cannot have church without concerted, caring, loving, prayer, sharing, and saying, we want God to come on the scene. Why? Because if we don't pray, it indicates that we do not believe that God wants to move. It indicates that we perhaps feel like God has left us to ourself and we just need to somehow survive and get through the day. And I'll say a courtesy prayer, a short prayer, God, please help me through the day, amen. And I'm just trying to get through the day. But in the early church, the disciples, they came to Jesus after spending a couple of years with him and their request of Jesus was, Jesus, would you please teach us how to pray? Because they would see him wake up a great while before day. They would see him get up and stay up half the night to pray. And, and they're sawing logs. They're tired and they're weary. And they're like, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. And we know most everyone in here knows the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Great prayer. But they didn't stop there. They took that prayer, and we see this thread of prayer that after Jesus ascended to heaven, we go to the book of Acts chapter 2, Jesus commanded them to wait in an upper room, and they waited for 10 days and had a prayer meeting. And so as I introduce this message, I want to tell you, I'm at a crossroads, and I'll, I'll do something that most pastors won't do. It's just who I am. I'm at such a crossroads where I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do to encourage and help the body anymore. If you want to do it through somebody else, please do it through somebody else. Not because I don't love you, but because I have a heart that desires to see the Lord do something more. And I could care less if I'm on the back row encouraging it or if the Lord somehow used me up here, praise God. But my heart is aching and broken because I see a shattering and a fracturing of the body where there is love, there is a caring overall. I'll say neighborhood church overall is a good church. You're in the right place. But I know what God wants to do and what he's able to do so much more that I see broken families. I see children and grandchildren who are strayed from the Lord. I see just all that's happening. And I say, Lord, 
would you somehow, I don't care how it happens, would you draw this body together in a much greater way to say, Lord, that you would pour out a desire, a faith, a love, a fervency to say, we want to begin to take these needs and request to the Lord in prayer and believe that God wants to move. That he doesn't want us to limp along and just to barely survive and barely get through. Do, do we go through suffering? Yeah, Maggie's facing a, a hip surgery here. That hurts. Just for her to, I watched her last week or two weeks ago, helped her to get to the car and, and to watch her just to get back in that car and pull that leg, I was like, ah, I mean, it, it hurt. Sandy pits? To watch Sandy. And this is about how fast that she walks to get into the house of the Lord. <laughs> I don't understand why they are facing that right now. I do believe that God can still touch them. Amen. There's others. You have relational, emotional needs that are, you're going through right now where you're discouraged or you're just struggling to believe and trust God. How is God going to change that? Prayer, faith in the Lord, and to see others gathered together into like truly praying and believing God. Acts chapter 2 120 disciples were gathered together. They were in an up, upper room. They were all together in one accord, in one place, and as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they began to speak in tongues and other languages that they hadn't ever spoken, and all of a sudden the church was truly born, but it was born in a prayer meeting. I'll step on a limb here. We have the Shoemate family over here. Love you, Floyd. Love you, Leroy and Scott. They've been a part of some unusual churches that, as kids, they're like, not Lira, uh, Floyd, but Scott and Lira told me some stories that they're like, hey, yikes. <laughs> but you know what? God put something in your hearts from very young men to realize that there is a God in heaven who wants to intervene in the hearts of men. He wants to intervene in our families. How many of you would be willing to raise your hand to say that your family's struggling a little bit? Either you personally and or your kids or grandkids, you really need God to somehow step in. We could stop right now, church, and in a holy, humble moment begin to take these petitions to the Lord and to say, oh Lord, my heart is aching for my family. Oh, Lord, I have kids and grandkids who so desperately need you. Why do we sometimes run from prayer, though? Because sometimes when we go to prayer, the Holy Spirit shines his light in our hearts and begins to bring conviction in our life, where perhaps maybe we're going astray either at that moment or have or whatever, and we're like, well, Lord, but just touch them, but don't deal with me right now, Lord. And the Lord begins to shine his light in our heart and maybe gives us ideas or thoughts or changes that we can make. And, and he wants us to begin to pray for these things, but to pray in faith to say, Lord, I don't only want you to touch my family, my grandkids, but Lord, I want you to do something in my life and change me. As I shared a few months ago, my greatest desire five years from now is that God will cause me to grow that I will look back five years from now and say, you know what, this guy, Steve Gaffney, is changing and growing in his relationship with the Lord, that he is stronger in faith and courage and boldness in his understanding of the ways of the Lord. Sometimes our kids need to see that. Grandkids need to see that. Amen? Amen. And so I saw lots of hands here that were raised to say, oh God, we pray for our families, O oh Lord. That, Lord, if there's fighting, 
if there's strife, Lord, if there's discouragement, Lord, if there's teenagers in depression, despair, God, we pray that you would have mercy from heaven. God, we pray that you would bring peace into our homes. Lord, whatever the root cause, I pray that you would cause the finger pointing to stop. I pray for the yelling to be toned down. Lord, I pray that you would clothe us with the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to pray for children and grandchildren, these families, as the treasures that they are. Lord, I ask that you would lay upon our hearts a desire that would ache for their salvation. Lord, not that we would nag them, not that we would aggravate them, but Lord, that they would see a love and a compassion through prayer, that we care for them and that we want nothing more than to see you fulfill your plans in their life. Lord, where Satan and, and the lies of this world are trying to bring discouragement and are trying to draw kids and grandkids away from you, we pray for truth, Lord, to come into those situations in Jesus' name. Lord, you said that no one can come unless you draw them. Jesus, we ask that you would draw people to salvation in Jesus' name. The church was born in prayer, church. Acts chapter 3 or 4, the disciples, they went to the place of prayer, and there was a guy who was crippled. He'd been there for many years, and he was lame on his feet. He couldn't walk, and Peter reached out and lifted him up, and the guy was healed miraculously. He would have thought the whole community would have been happy that this guy was healed, but instead of the whole community being happy, sadly, the religious people threatened the disciples of Jesus and says, you stop teaching and preaching the name of Jesus. What did the disciples do? They went to the place of prayer. And they prayed that God would give them more boldness. And it says, as they prayed, that whole place was shaken. I don't know what kind of shaking it was, if it was a physical earthquake or whatever. I actually was in a teaching class over 20 years ago, 1996, around there in Marysville, Washington. And as a pastor was preaching on that passage of scripture, there was a minor, a little earthquake. The pastor couldn't have had it planned more perfectly. <laughs> he didn't plan it. But as they prayed, the place was shaken. Why? I believe their faith was strengthened. I believe that they received more boldness. I believe that they received more courage. I believe that fear was driven far from them. How many of you have faced fear these past couple of years off and on? Fearful of the future, fearful, doubtful, worried, anxious? Go into that place of prayer. Say, oh, Lord, you have not given us that spirit of fear, Lord. But God, you've given us your love, your power, and a sound mind. Church, I believe what kids and grandkids need to see more than ever is not flaky Christianity. Not flaky Christianity, but they need to see a strong a fortitude, they need to see a courageous Christianity, a humble Christianity that is dependent upon the Lord, that is full of faith. That will face the fears, the anxieties, that will face all the deception, that will face all the chaos of this world, and that they will face it in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ with a calm, a settledness, yes, a boldness when it calls for it, but they're not wishy-washy, they're not up and down like a yo-yo, but know that God will make you firm like a rock. 
How is it going to happen? It only happens in the place of prayer. We're still in the book of Acts, and I'm trying to be careful because we've got, we got all sorts of folks in here. I don't want to give you a long lesson or lecture, so to say. I want to encourage your hearts the best I can. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 here. In your own reading at times, you can look through Acts and just see it is filled with prayer, church, and it is not a, a courtesy prayer. I believe that there was a fervency a faith, a trust, a humility, a dependence, and a belief and prayer that God answers prayer. The whole life of the church was bathed in prayer. Acts chapter 10, there was a guy named Cornelius. I want to read about him just four verses. Acts chapter 10. I want to get there too. I'm sorry. A guy named Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man, though, one who feared God with all his house, and he gave alms generously to the people. And he prayed to God, how often? He prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw a vision, clearly an angel of God coming to him, saying, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? The angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. I want you to think about a Marine or think about a Navy SEAL. When you picture in your mind a Marine or a Navy SEAL, a man's man, a tough guy, a strong man, do you picture that guy usually from the world's perspective of being a man who's giving and a man who's prayerful? Most often not from the worldly perspective, but this guy who's a Roman soldier, he had a heart after God. He didn't know who Jesus was yet, but he had a heart of generosity. He saw needs, and he would bless people. He gave much alms to those who were in need. But more importantly, he prayed to God always, and God saw what he was doing, and it came up as a memorial for Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was the first non-Jewish Christian believer who was brought into the faith. And as a result of his character, his giving, and his prayers, God saw something in Cornelius' heart. The gospel was opened to the Gentile world, to those who weren't Jewish. Lord, I'm trying to survive. I don't have time for prayer. That guy's a Roman soldier. How about King David? Was King David, King David a warrior? King David's the one who killed Goliath. King David, you read the book of Psalms, and it's just psalm after psalm, verse after verse, of prayers to God. Cornelius prayed to God always, and God saw his prayers, and as a result of Cornelius' prayers, God brought an awesome transformation in the heart of those who are not Jewish. I want to go to talk about Peter here briefly. Peter was put in prison. Go to Acts chapter 12, please. Acts chapter 12. Herod began to harass the church. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church, and then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And we think we've had it bad the past couple of years. We haven't had that happen in America yet. If this happened, I think most people would go on social media and complain what a meanie he is. This guy's so horrible. We'd have a pity party and be angry. In verse 3, because he saw that it pleased the Jews, Herod proceeded to take Peter. And that was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested Peter, put him in prison, he delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but constant prayer 
was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. It wasn't, oh, Lord, help Peter. Get him out of prison. Amen. Did you see the Mariners game yesterday? Wasn't that horrible? I don't know, because I just saw the news. I didn't watch the thing, actually. I'm glad I didn't. What a waste of time. I say that for this point. Peter's in prison. I feel bad for John. John got beheaded. What? Why didn't the church pray for John? <laughs> Would John maybe have made it if the church was praying for John? <laughs> Read that again. He killed, oh, he killed James, the brother of John with a sword. What about James? Peter's in prison, and the church is, wait, wait a second, James was just beheaded. Let's pray. And it wasn't a short prayer time. I believe that they were fervently praying because they cared for Peter. They loved Peter. And as a result of that, what happens? God sends his angel, and Peter gets out of prison, and Peter keeps on preaching. Church, we have some needs in here. And I want to tell you, it's not going to be solved with the elections coming up. It's not going to be solved with the attitudes that we've had the past couple of years or maybe for a long time. We have some needs here in our community that is only going to be solved when there is a coming together of the church in humility to pray. To say, Lord, I can finger point at Olympia. I can finger point at this and that. I can complain about this and that, and the only thing it's going to do is drive my family nuts. I can see all that's wrong around me and feel like I'm oh so wise because I just see all this is going on and I really know what's going on behind the scenes. No, you don't. What the Lord is looking for is humble dependence upon the Lord. To say, Jesus, I want to pray for some of these families right now. Jesus, I want to pray for Maggie. It's a miracle she's even here. Sandy, Evelyn. Lord, there are some hurting granny commandos over there, Lord, that they've had a really, really, really rough week. Amen? I close with this. I have done all that I know how to do, church. I am not giving up and quitting, but I am going to ask you, would you pray even a short prayer to say, Lord, each church is only one generation away from closing its doors. Each church is only one season away from not having an impact or being effective. God wants to do something, church, through neighborhood church. There's a lot of ideas in here and thoughts and opinions from myself as well of what will fix it. I truly believe, as your pastor, that the only solution that we have is if we will somehow begin to pray in more than a courtesy prayer. To truly get together from time to time and to say, Lord, I may know how to say some eloquent words or I may not know how to pray, but Lord, I don't want to indicate my lack of faith and trust in you by not even bothering to pray. But Lord, the Bible is full of stories where the God of heaven intervened in the affairs of men and Lord, we have people who are going through incredible stresses right now, battles right now, difficulties right now, and it doesn't take a genius to point all that stuff out, but Lord, it takes true men and women of God, a true church, 
to gather together in acknowledgement. Boy, we don't have the answers, but we know the one who has the answers. And we want to pray and begin to see the Lord move in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together, please. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, that you gave us encouragements, commands, and scripture, Lord, to pray and to seek you, Lord, not because you want us to waste time speaking to the air, but Lord, you encouraged us. You draw us to that place of prayer. You command us to pray, Lord, not because you want it to be a waste of time, but because, Lord, you want to show yourself in our families, our home, our community, and this church. Lord, I pray for Central Park Neighborhood Church. Lord, I pray for our guests who have come this morning. Lord, I pray that you would begin to plant a new desire, Lord, to see you in our lives, to see your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, a new desire to see healing take place, a new desire, Lord, to see miraculous restoration of relationships take place. Lord, to see a miraculous intervention of addictions being truly broken. Lord, I pray that you would place a newfound childlike desire in our hearts, Lord, to see change take place in our hearts, Lord, that we would grow from glory to glory. Lord, that we wouldn't be the same old, same old, but Lord, that there would be a newness and a freshness in our hearts with you. Lord, whenever opportunities are given for us to gather to pray, Lord, for those who are able to come, I pray that you would draw and gather your church together, that you would pour out a spirit of love, one for another and for you, Lord, to see your work prosper and flourish and grow in Jesus' name. With every eye closed and heads bowed this morning as I close in prayer, if you need Jesus this morning to be your Savior, just to rescue you, and whether you're going through difficulties right now, depression, Maybe perhaps you feel like giving up on life itself and Jesus wants you to know that he is the way, the truth, and he is the very source of life this morning. Would you reach out to him this morning just with an outstretched arm, raising of the hand to say, Jesus, I need you. Would you rescue me? Would you save me from me? If that's anybody here, would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Jesus, amen. God bless you. Anybody else? Lord, I thank you so much for this one who raised their hand, and Lord, for each of us who are present, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we leave this sanctuary this morning, Lord, I pray that we would walk in a heart of prayer and faith and humility and expectation. Lord, when we're tempted to complain about all that goes around us, Lord, rather than complain, would we turn to that place of prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, these altars are open. We'd love the opportunity to pray with you. We have service on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. For those who are able to make it at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, we'd love to see you. Have a wonderfully blessed afternoon.